That's very kind. Why don't you just give Jesus a much better hand than you gave me? You may be seated. It's good to be here. I pastor a church called Mercy Culture. I, I traveled for uh, about 10 years as an evangelist. I never wanted to pastor because churches are full of problems and drama. And I don't like problems or drama. And so I was like, Lord, I love you. You know the bumper stickers that are like, Lord, I love you, but protect me from your followers. Like that was, that was like my heart posture. I grew up a pastor's kid and um, just churches full of just all sorts of dysfunction and agendas. And, and uh, I love God. I love the Holy Spirit. I love people getting wrecked by God. I love his presence, but I just didn't want problems. And the main thing was, is I saw church was built around a man. And I just, I wasn't about the narcissistic ministry. It just wasn't my thing. And so I was like, I'll just stay on the road and, and travel and preach and then go home to no problems. And then the Lord told me to plant a church and I wrestled with it for about six months, but I'm not happy if I'm not obeying God. And so I said yes to the Lord. So we moved to a city where we don't know anyone, didn't know a soul. And, uh, through radical, just miracle after miracle, uh, we ended up buying, about a $45 million building as a 10 month old church for $4.5 million. And then two months later, COVID hit. I'm like, Lord, I'm so glad this is yours and it's not mine. And we just didn't shut down. So we did the two weeks president Trump asked for. And then after that, Texas governor said, you're essential. So we're like, we're we're just going to stay open. And, uh, I had a bunch of mean people emailing me and, and pastor, you're going to kill people and, and do all that stuff. And I was like, well, I don't want to kill people, but the Lord told us to have church for him. And if they can go to Costco and strip clubs, surely they can go to church. So we opened up and the church exploded. And, uh, now we have a pretty, pretty large church. That's very influential in our city. And one of the things that we are passionate about is um, who cares how big the church gets if you don't do nothing? The enemy can care less how big you get as long as you and your faith stay inside the church. But as soon as you start going outside the church, then all of a sudden you become a threat. Our church has helped get 39 and we're, so we're four years old. And uh, we've gotten in the last year, 39 godly men and women help get them elected into places of power and position. The most powerful politician in our county, we helped get elected. And uh, then he came to us and said, I got 16 board seats all over the city. I'm going to kick woke activists out of it. Can I put your church members in it? So we get a lot of pushback about uh, Christians stay out of politics, um, which is not scriptural. And uh, the separation between church and state is not to keep Christians out of the state. It's to keep the state out of the church. And, and a lot of people don't get that. And, uh, but but my, I, don't, I don't live my Christianity on Sunday morning. It's who we are every day. The greatest commandment is what? Love God. The second is? One of the greatest ways to love people is to make sure they don't have a corrupt government that's hurting them. It's one of the greatest ways. And so we're actively involved with human trafficking. We're building the largest long-term restoration home in the nation on our church property. 
so many exciting things are going on, and uh, we're only four years old. It's wild. And, uh, and we love helping pastors and churches and so on and other people. It's great to hear uh, Mercy Culture worship being played this morning here. Uh, your worship team is amazing. Can you just thank God for every single servant, Pastor Landon and the team? I loved your song. When are you guys putting joy out? Let's go. Let's get it out. Let's get it out. Excited to be here. Uh, I love your pastors. I love the humility of your pastors. Uh, Isaiah and Brittany, um, they have this unique gift. It reminds me of something that I have is they pull on anointings. And their, their, their heart of humility and their heart of service pulls on anointings. I know that the real deal, I just spent a little bit of time with them, but their children love God and love them. And that's a rare thing. That's a rare thing. Lyndon, you are beautiful. You are a wonderful, godly young girl. And you blessed me this week. I think we have a picture of my family. I've been married 18 years. This is uh, Peyton. She's uh, 11 years old. Uh, that's Preston. He's eight. He's over in your children's ministry this morning. I took him with me on this trip. I regretted it all night last night as we slept in the same hotel bed. And all of a sudden, he turns into a ninja master at four in the morning. You ever see the old movie? Uh, what was it? The, the, the Michael J. Fox, Back to the Future, where he's like jumping all over the floor, spinning around with the guitar. That's what my son did all night. And uh, so I couldn't wait to come to church to be here with you and to not be in the bed with him. And then that's my four-year-old uh, uh, Porter. He's four years old. He can swim like a fish. Yesterday, he killed this bug in the pool. And he goes, Dad, look at this bug I killed. I'm a man. I'm like, yes, you are. Show your mom. Anyway, that's my beautiful family. And uh, I love them very much. I don't travel much anymore. I, I, I did this full-time for 10 years. I, now I do about three trips a year. And uh, I left my, uh, my iPad at TSA yesterday. The grace has left me. So I'm going to preach off paper for the first time in 10 years. I literally felt like a rookie. I reached into my bag to grab the iPad on the flight. It wasn't there. I'm like, rookie. I've lost the edge. That's okay. I stay at home. How many ready for the word? There's no clock on there. How long do you go for? Don't you hate it when the pastor says that? I know you do. Don't lie. You do. You're like, as long as you want. Okay. If there's a clock, put, I don't know, 40 minutes up there, something like that. If you can. If not, that's okay. If you don't give me time, I will wander. I will wander. My, my, my church always jokes because I always say, put 10 minutes back on the clock about every week. All right. Here we go. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. Beginning in verse 24. Do we have it up on the screen? It says this. But the boat by this time was a long way off for land, beaten by the waves and the wind. And this, uh, the wind was against them. And it was the fourth watch of the night. And he was taking them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him, talking about Jesus, walking on the sea, they were terrified. Someone say terrified. It's a ghost. They cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, do not be afraid. Someone say that. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out on the water. Come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Someone say afraid. 
Beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached down and took a hold of him, saying, you of little faith, why do you doubt? I came here to tell you this morning that fear-based warfare is when you fear God more than any other spirit. The title of this message is Fear-Based Warfare. Let's pray. So Holy Spirit, we declare this is your place. This is your church. Lord, I pray right now, I ask you right now to breathe upon your written word, your logos word. I pray you would come alive right now. I pray you become rhema right now. I pray you would give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, and minds to understand what your spirit is saying. Lord, I declare your word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Father, I declare your word's true. Let every man be a liar. We exalt your word today. Now, Holy Spirit, we declare we don't make room for you in this place, but we give you the entire room. We say no spirit, but the Holy Spirit is welcome. So Holy Spirit, come have your way. Father, I thank you. No one came to hear me. We all came to hear you. So we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Turn to your neighbor and say, you're going to spiritually grow today. Turn to your second choice and tell him you too. This morning, I want to teach on spiritual warfare. Someone say spiritual warfare. Now, some people don't take spiritual warfare seriously. They just think that demons are in other foreign countries, but not America. And I would respond, obviously, you haven't been involved in any of the political seasons. But demons are real, and it doesn't matter if you believe in them or not, they believe in you. And then you have some people that say stuff like, well, I don't want to be over-spiritual. You know the carnal Christian that's not spiritual, so they use those blanket statements like, I don't want to be over-spiritual? That's dumb to say. Let me just help you from a theological perspective. How many believe in Jesus, put their faith in Jesus, and you are a follower of Christ? Just wave your hands at me. Wave your hands at me. Okay, now I don't know you that well, so with some you know, theological differences that might be minor, but essentially you believe that God sent his son Jesus, impregnated a virgin through the Holy Spirit, gave birth to a sinless Savior. He never sinned. He walked the earth for 33 years, did more miracles than any books on the planet can calculate or can record. He died on the cross, conquered sin, grave, and the dead, and then rose from the dead and ascended to heaven to one day come back for you and me. Essentially, you believe something like that, right? But you don't want to be over-spiritual. Ephesians tells us this, that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers or principalities against the authorities, the cosmic power over the present darkness and the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Church, I want you to know that spiritual warfare and witchcraft is real, even though you may not recognize it. I remember I was about 25 years old and I walked out of my house and, and my brother-in-law says, you smell that skunk? I said, I smell that smell. And he said, you don't know what a skunk smells like? I, I, I started smelling. And I was like, well, I, I recognize that smell, but nobody told me it, it was a skunk. Or for your guys, maybe a better analogy is mushrooms. <laughs> and, 
And, and I remembered being a teenager and smelling it on Sunday nights and campouts and, and, and out on the trampoline and all these different times. I recognized that smell, but nobody told me what it was. See, you have been experiencing witchcraft. Nobody has just told you what it is. You just didn't realize it. You just called it anxiety. You didn't realize you just called it fear. You didn't realize that you just call it depression. And then you go to doctors and ask doctors to help you fight spiritual warfare. You just can't sleep at night. You didn't realize what it is. You're tormented in dreams. You didn't know what it is. Let me help you. If there's snakes in your dreams, there's witchcraft very close to you. So many people are encountering it on a regular basis, and, but they don't know what it is. Now, some witchcraft is obvious. I'll give you an example. When I was in my early days of ministry, uh, I was uh, the lowest on the totem pole, and so I got all the, the, the crazy calls. And so I, I got a call from my pastor one day, and he said, hey, I want you to go downtown, and I, there's a guy in our church. He needs prayer. I want you to go pray for him. I had a funny feeling about it, and so I just asked another pastor to go with me. Felt a little discernment in me. Didn't know why. Something felt weird, so I brought another pastor with me, and, and we get down to downtown. He owned a four-story building downtown. We get downtown, and, and I walk into his office, and he says, Reverend, I'm so glad you're here. There's ghosts in my building, and I need you to do an exorcism. And I'm looking around, and I'm like, well, um, I didn't take the exorcism class in Bible college. So I don't actually do exorcisms, but what I can do is, you know, we can pray and anoint your building with oil and how about we just pray and bless your building? Can we, can we do something like that? He's like, yeah, that's great. That's great. Do that. Do that, Reverend. And so we leave his office and we start walking up the first flight of stairs. And as we're walking up the stairs, he has this big old husky dog with him, a real dog, a, a husky breed dog. And the dog stops and won't go up the stairs. And he goes, see, the dog won't go up there because that's where the ghosts are. So I, I don't know how to take this guy, and I don't know if I'm supposed to take him serious yet. And so we walk up the stairs, and then I take a left, and I start walking down the hallway. And the only way I could describe what happened was it felt like something reached its hand down my throat, ripped all of the air out of my lungs, and I could barely breathe. And I had one of the greatest panic attack feelings I've ever had in my entire life. So this church boy knew what he knew how to do. I just prayed in the Holy Ghost, just prayed in the Holy Ghost till I felt some sort of peace that I just started throwing oil everywhere. And then I got out of there as fast as I can because I'm not stupid. <laughs> but here's what I noticed is the same rush of anxiety I felt in a, in a building full of demons is the same rush of anxiety I would feel when some people would just say, I want to talk to you. When I would see their texts come across their phone, when I, when I would walk into their home, the same anxiety, the same witchcraft, the same demonic spirit I would feel with the obvious demons were the same ones I felt with the unobvious ones. Witchcraft is real. We have to learn how to begin to recognize it. Like I said before, Effects of witchcraft is fear, anxiety, tormenting dreams, depression. You can find those in uh, 2 Timothy 1, 7, Philippians 4, 6, the whole story of 1 Kings 18, 19, the story of Elijah with Jezebel. It's wild. He, he, he experiences one of the greatest demonstrations of God's power in human history where fire falls from heaven. He personally confronts 850 false prophets of Baal. And then one woman who he never even met sends him an online DM. And he runs for his life and asks God to kill him because of the witchcraft he felt from one person. 
Let me give you some practical advice. What do you do when you feel a demonic presence or you feel witchcraft? First thing you do, number one, is you welcome the Holy Spirit. We've been doing it all morning. Play that song by Mercy Culture, No Spirit But the Holy Spirit. You know what that song was? We, didn't, we don't write songs. We pray prayers. And our songs become prayers. Excuse me. Our prayers become songs. These are songs of the house. I've been singing that. I've been praying these prayers for over 10 years in my prayer time. It's part of the Lord's prayer. Deliver us from evil. No spirit, but the Holy Spirit is welcome. Holy Spirit, come have your way. And we prayed it so much. It just came out in a worship set one time. And that was the song you're singing this morning. You were singing my prayer over the last 10 years. And guess what? It's a free gift. Now it's your prayer. And guess what? Do you know why I've been praying it for 10 years? Because it works. Start welcoming the Holy Spirit. You got blackout windows in here to make it dark, but the moment the lights turn on, you can see clearly. When the Holy Spirit walks in the room, every other spirit has to go. He is the authority. When, when, when the magicians threw down their snake, uh, Moses' rod or Aaron's rod became a snake and ate theirs up. It has a greater authority. When you start feeling anxiety, when you start feeling uh, a fear, when you start feeling depression, when you feel it begin to rest on you, begin to verbally tell it to go and then begin to welcome the Holy Spirit. Second practical advice is pray in the Holy Ghost. Usually people get in, in the theological quandrum right here because you grew up in a, a, a denomination with bad theology that told you that the one gift of the Holy Spirit that is not active is gift of speaking tongues or you need an interpreter to speak in tongues. That's not true. You need an interpreter to prophesy in tongues. You don't need an interpreter to speak in tongues. There's no interpretation in, in uh, the book of uh, Acts chapter 2 in the upper room until men started hearing in their own language their own interter- interpretation, which I've seen happen numerous times in my life. It's Jude 120. Build yourself up in the most holy of faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. And then some people have a bad theology and they're like, well, scripture says it's not for everybody. So I don't think this is for me. Well, scripture also says heaven's not for everybody. And I haven't heard anyone claim that their life verse is the broad road to destruction. No, but what scripture does say is ask, knock, seek. He's a good father. He loves to eagerly give to those that ask. So maybe you don't have a, a receiving problem. Maybe you have an asking problem. Last night or Friday night, I, I got to preach at our youth camp and we saw about a hundred kids baptized in the Holy Ghost on Friday night. He's no respecter of persons. This is an important gift. Listen, do not let a poor theology in medicine to help you fight spiritual warfare because you've denied the gift God gave us. Listen, I'm not this big. I'll tell you where this theology came from in me and why I speak in tongues so much is because I just started asking the Holy Spirit questions like, how do I hear from you? And then I started seeing for, for 10 years, all of these moments that God spoke to me right after I was praying in the Holy Ghost. Because if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it talks about don't praying in the Holy Spirit in a corporate atmosphere unless there's some word of edification that comes. These are words of edification. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, he starts directing paths, speeches, uh, sermons, songs, different things. He starts bringing it. He will speak to you. It's so easy to hear God when you're praying in the Holy Ghost. The second thing I noticed is every time I I felt demonic attacks, I would just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. I, I, I didn't plan on it. I just felt demons in a building. I'd pray in the Holy Ghost. I'd feel his peace come. And then I'd keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. And what I found was it was the Jude 120 action. It was the building up of my spirit in the most holy of faith. 
So it's wild because these are gifts that God has for us. And so much of the body of Christ is like, no, thank you, Jesus. We don't need your gifts. And then you've thrown the Holy Spirit out, not in this church, but a majority of churches, everyone is welcome, but the Holy Spirit is everyone is made to feel comfortable, but the Holy Spirit Two practical advice. I don't know if we have the picture of the Mercy Culture building, but we actually wrote this on our building. It's right on a major freeway. I don't know how many millions of people drive by it every week. Uh, it says, fear, go, Holy Spirit, come on our building. We wrote that on the first week of COVID. We just painted up on our sign the first week of COVID because everybody had embraced fear. And we said, we're not going to embrace fear. We're talking about witchcraft. Witchcraft is the spiritual opposition of the will of God through the help of evil spirits. I'll say that again. Witchcraft is the spiritual opposition to the will of God through the help of evil spirits. The purpose of witchcraft is very simple. It's to get you to resist or disobey God. That's the purpose. To get you to resist or disobey God. That is the purpose. We saw it from the beginning in the garden with Eve. The purpose of this serpent slithering in with his witchcraft was to get them confused about what God really said. Witchcraft is about control. It's about the control of the will of man. You see those old uh, cartoons or shows where you have the, the voodoo doll and it's poking the voodoo doll and it's hurting the person. It, it, it's truly a great example or illustration of what the purpose of this witchcraft does. The purpose of this witchcraft is to control a person, but it's not through a voodoo doll with pins. It's through the manipulation and the intimidation of demonic spirits. So you willfully choose to resist, obey God, because watch, you fear a demonic spirit more than you fear God. Ephesians 2, 2 says this, and once you walk, once walk, following the course of the world, following the prince or the power of the air, that's important. I'll get to it later. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Please leave Ephesians 2, 2 up there. I want you to see this. When you are disobedient to God. Witchcraft has free reign in your life. Read the scripture. When you are disobedient in your finances, witchcraft has open doors in your life. The church just wants my money. No, it doesn't. You don't give. You're greedy. God doesn't need your money. You're greedy. Money's your God. And that's why you get upset every time a pastor talks about it in church. Because there's an open door through disobedience. I was, uh, what, this lady came up to me after church one day on a Sunday night service. And, and she said, Pastor, I'm having tormenting dreams. I'm having these just, uh, just like spirits in my dreams. And she was, she was a little panicked when she told me. As soon as she told me, I said, you're sleeping with someone you're not married to. And she starts crying and she says, I, I just moved in with my boyfriend. When I said, you've opened the door to demonic spirits. You're making a sexual covenant that's not authorized by the Lord. You're becoming one flesh with his demons. Let's open the door in your life. 
Listen, when you're disobedient to God's word, you open demonic doors in your life. Like, I don't know why I can't just be happy because you don't obey God. You'll never be happy. And that's why you think if you just made that amount of money, if you just got that new house, if you just got to this position in life, if this just happened in your life, but you're still not satisfied and fulfilled. That's why I told you I didn't want to pastor. It was the last thing in the world. In fact, I made inner vows. Like I had to go through my own like deliverance moments with the Lord's because I was like, no, I don't want to pastor. I don't like pastoring. I don't like church people. I don't want to do that. I don't want to give my life to that. I don't want to be a prisoner to mean people. With all of their comments and opinions. You want to give your two cents about everything, but you don't lift anything. You're like the person when we're trying to move a pool table. You're not lifting with us. You're just sitting on top telling us how to do it. Not helpful. Lord, I don't want to do that. But watch this. I knew I would be miserable. We are building Heather's dream house. We're building an old farmhouse, dream house, acre piece of property, walking distance to the river in Austin. Everything was good. She was a top 10 realtor. Life was wonderful. No problems. Making the most money I've ever made in my entire life. But I cannot shake it because he said it. So I could be in my dream house, making more money than I know what to do with, living the good life, or I could risk it all, move to a city I don't know anyone, to one day end up in the outskirts of Philly in another church that we would be impacting all in a moment of obedience to say, watch, no to my plans and yes to his plans. So let me make it really, really simple. You are winning in spiritual warfare when you obey God. You're losing when you disobey. Let me help you with your, if you're younger in this room, how do you know if you're winning in spiritual warfare, you could obey your parents. You can heed the wisdom of your pastors and spiritual leaders. I mean, I'll say this. If there's no one in your life that you are submitted to, there's probably open doors of witchcraft in your life. That's not in my notes. That's just extra stuff. Okay, here we go. 2 Corinthians 10.4, let me give you the other side of this. For the weapon of our warfare is not of the flesh, but it's divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive, look what we do with it, to obey Christ. This is how we win in spiritual warfare. We obey Christ. If you do not learn to start obeying God and his word, you will forever lose in spiritual warfare. This morning, I want to focus on one particular spirit, and it's the spirit of fear. Turn with me or look up on the screen to 2 Timothy 1.7. I want you to see this. It says this. It says, for God has not given, look at this, a spirit of fear. God calls fear a spirit. It's not a feeling. It's not a emotional disposition. You're not just a fearful person. You have embraced a partnership with a demonic spirit called fear. And you call it a feeling, but you have a demon that's your friend. Keep it up, please. Don't take that down for a second. Scripture says it's a spirit. And then look what it says. It says, God didn't give it. 
Isn't it wild how we resist the gifts God does give and then we receive the ones that God doesn't? So if God didn't give a spirit of fear, who did? Satan. Oh, we see it in the garden. Oh, if you don't eat, you, you won't be like God and, and, and you won't have this and, and you'll miss out and, and, and you'll be fearful. Don't, don't you, be, you, you need to eat the fruit. I love when people have a hard time with the Ten Commandments and, and all, all, too many rules in the, uh, Christianity and I don't know about all that. Well, when God just had one, we broke the one. Don't touch the tree. We couldn't do that one. She's like, I'm going to give him a few more. Maybe I can help a few more people out. Listen, fear is a spirit. Cause you to do crazy things that doesn't make sense. We just went through a, a global pandemic and the global pandemic was not COVID. It's great. I can't get censored in here. All oh, that would be on my social media if I would have said that on social media, but not in here. It wasn't COVID. It was a pandemic of fear. And the church failed the test. And we said stuff like, oh, I heard so many pastors, our greatest concern is your physical health. What a dumb thing to say. Because healthy people go to hell. Our greatest concern is not your physical health. Our greatest concern is your spiritual health. Prosper as your soul prospers. The church lost the battle of COVID. That's why hundreds and thousands of churches shut down because they gave into the spirit of fear. You know what the spirit of fear was? You're going to die. Oh, it's the worst thing that can happen is we can die. That's the worst thing to happen. That's the worst thing. Are you even saved? Do you even know Jesus? Hold on a second. To be absent from the body is present with the Lord. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let me just preach for a second. So the worst thing that could possibly happen to you is to be present with the Lord. It shows how spiritually immature and weak we are. And I know there's people upset in the room, and that's fine. I'm not traveling evangelists anymore, and you never have to bite me back. And I honestly can tell you with a clean heart, I can care less. I don't travel at all. I came because my friends asked me to. I got this amazing superpower of not caring what people think. I care about what God thinks and my wife thinks and my children think. After that, I'm good. You're saying, I, 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 I kind of think that you're being harsh. Sounds like you're being critical. You know what? When people started wearing masks alone in the car, I drew the line. I still get confused when people are wearing masks. I'm like, is that for them or is that for me? I don't know. Are you something wrong with you or something wrong with me? <laughs> they closed down the churches and said not to sing. They said not to worship. So when do you see that in the book of Acts when plagues and pandemics broke out? Then you have the cowering churches. Romans 13, just tell your, just, just do whatever the government tells you what to do. Well, that's funny because you applaud people sneaking Bibles into China. No, Romans 13 talks about honoring the authority. But guess what? The unconstitutional laws and rules that they passed, 
that were unconstitutional in our government, the people that you voted in aren't the authority. The people are. Come on, you're in one of the most political cities in the world or close to it. You should know this stuff. Fear. Oh, shut down the church. Okay, let's lock everybody in with their abusers. Let's lock everybody in in their depression. The one place that people need to go for refuge is the house of God. It should never shut down. You say, Pastor, why are you harping on this? Come on, you got the camera person lifting the hand. Let's go, girl. Listen, listen. You say, why are you harping on this? Because many of you failed the test. And you're going to have to retake the test at some point. And that's not the only pandemic that's coming to America. It's not the only disaster. It's not. There will be the spirit of fear tied to something else. Watch. And if you are not delivered from the spirit of fear, you will fail the next test. I'm warning you. You remember when the teacher says, hey, there's a pop quiz coming on Friday and I'm giving you a, a little heads up. It's coming in advance. You got a friend in, this, in, in, in the church world that's warning you there's another test coming and it might take the form in a pandemic or it might take the form in the economy or it might take the form in your family or something else. And if you're not delivered, watch from this spirit called fear, you will fail the next test. And listen, your family needs you to pass the test. Your church family needs you to pass the next test. Your city needs you to pass the next test. Because here's the thing, the same way that fear spreads like a virus, so does faith. Someone say fear is a spirit. How do you know it's a spirit? Because it has a presence like the Holy Spirit. It has a voice. Man, some of you are like, I can't hear God. Well, just do the opposite of the demon of fear that tells you that you listen to. Hold on. You hear the spirit of fear. Scripture already said it. We already read it. It's a spirit. You are already very familiar with the voice of fear. What does the voice of fear sound like? Don't lift your hands. Don't go up front. Don't tell them that. Don't give that. Don't do it. It's always saying don't. Isn't that interesting? And the spirit of fear never is giving you spiritual instructions of what to do. It always what? Keeps you from what? Obeying. I'm in the grocery store and I feel like I'm supposed to just go witness to this person or tell tell this person that God loves them or tell them this. And and then what are they going to think about me? And what about this? And fear and fear and fear. And I'll look stupid and I'll do this and I'll do this. And so, so what you do is you let the spirit of fear talk you out of obeying God and living in faith. Mammon will talk you out of obeying God with your finances. You know what mammon is? It's a spirit that rests on fear. You know what mammon is? It's the spirit that you'll run out before you've even ran out. How dishonoring is it to God when you're afraid of running out when he's provided for today? But oh, tomorrow. And oh, what about this? And what about that? And, and what about this? And you're living your life, watch, obedient to fear. It has a voice. It has a presence. And here's what it does. It always moves very quickly after God puts something on your heart. God puts on your heart to give something. Oh, you better not give that. He puts on your heart to say something. You better not say that. He quickly comes. Watch. Ah, it's just like the garden. God said, don't touch it. What did the, the spirit of fear through Satan do? Oh, you better touch it. He quickly comes after God and tries to talk you out of obedience. 
Do you know the purpose of the spirit of fear? The purpose of the spirit of fear is to prepare you for the Antichrist. I'm going to give you scripture. Revelations 13, 6. Also, it will cause all, both small and great, both rich and poor, free and slave, to be marked on the right hand and the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast, the number of his name. Church, the spirit of fear will always come. And he, what he will come to do is he will come to prepare the way for the final spirit of fear and antichrist spirit. People ask me all the time, do you think the vax was the mark? No, because you could buy, sell, and trade. I think it was the conditioning for it. Oh, I'm going to lose my job. Wow, oh, this is going to happen in my career and in this and, and all of this. And I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad that gave into it. But I am trying to call people up to another level. And if you're upset in this room, it means that you need to grow spiritually. Because I'm giving you scripture after scripture, but there's a good chance that scripture is not the highest authority in your life. Fear is. And so you get mad at the guest preacher and you might get on Google and write a review about the church. And that's okay because he'll send more people here. Been there, done that. Ask my friend's church in Florida. But here's the thing. Is, is, is I, I'm trying to provoke you to show you the difference between a spirit-led life and a fear-based life. It prepares the way for the Antichrist. What, 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 is, what happens with the Antichrist? You can't buy, sell, or trade. You can't participate in the economy. So what about my job? What about the Antichrist? Well, how, how, how are we going to eat? I don't know. Maybe you have to live by faith. Oh, I don't know. Maybe like the children in Israel, when God provided manna and quail, maybe when he brought water from rocks, I don't know. Maybe you're going to have to go to your fridge. It'll be empty. And by faith, you open it and something will be there. Listen, the whole book is about faith. The entire book is about faith and it's warning you of fear because fear is the opposite of faith. And so we have a world that is led by fear that what? That doesn't want your faith. This is the purpose of fear-based warfare. But what if there was a few churches that weren't afraid? I'm getting ahead of myself. I got to go back to my notes. Okay. Partnering, this is so important, with the spirit of fear will keep you in a permanent state of disobedience. Scripture says this, without faith, it's impossible to please God. When you partner with the spirit of fear, please hear me. It's impossible for you to please God. I'm, I'm, I'm warning you as a pastor. I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to challenge you as gently as I can. What I'm trying to tell you, your fear pleases Satan. It does not please God. I've been on this journey for years. I ask the Lord on a regular basis, I need you to teach me. And then I'll ask him something to teach me. It's one of the greatest prayers that you can pray. Just ask the Holy Spirit to teach you things. How it ended up in the song, easy. Teach me. 
So I started asking him, would you teach me about spiritual warfare? Would you give me strategies? Would you help me lead other people in spiritual warfare? So it's something I've been leaning in for years and praying and fasting, doing 40 day fasts on it. And then the Lord began to show me through a, a, a sequence of events. So it was a weekday. I'm at the church and there's a spiritual son of mine. I take him out to lunch and him and I go out to lunch and we have lunch at a restaurant. We come back to the church, pull into the parking lot. As we're pulling in the parking lot, he says this question to me. He said, Pastor, do you think it's too early for me to begin to tell my testimony? And when he said it, I was irritated. I said, unpack that for me. He said, well, I, I got advice from so-and-so and he named another pastor that I'm in relationship with and that I love and admire. But he said, and he kind of warned me about potentially not sharing my testimony too soon. And I didn't want to sow any seeds of discord in between the relationship with him and that other pastor. And so what I said to him, I said, I really want to encourage you to go back and take that to the Lord and pray about it. And I let it go. It was exactly one week later, I'm taking a different spiritual son out to the same restaurant at the same time. We pull back into the church and at the exact same spot, the other son asked me the week prior, he asked me the exact same question. He said, Pastor, do you think it's too soon for me to tell my testimony? He had a, a, a crazy testimony about a, a suicide and suicide attempts and, and depression. And, and, and it's a wild testimony that he has. And as soon as he said it, I was spiritually provoked and I felt righteous anger come on me. I walked into a boardroom and our pastors were in the middle of a meeting. I slammed my hand down on the table and I said, would one pastor in here give me one scripture that would support ever at any circumstance not sharing your testimony? Guess what? There is none. But there is a scripture in Revelations that says this, that you are set free by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. So watch this. Somewhere, some poor theology has made its way into the church that if you share your testimony too soon, oh, you may be attacked. And if you're attacked, then you may fall and you may stumble. And so, so if you fall and stumble, you'll make the church look bad and you'll make God look bad and you'll make yourself look bad and, and, and you would be a stain on their reputation. And so, and so better to not share your testimony, better not to step out in faith, better watch to partner with the spirit of fear, remained in bondage, not be set free, watch, and bow to a demonic spirit rather than live in the freedom of the Holy Spirit. The Lord, show me. That is fear-based warfare. Watch. Is that you engage in spiritual warfare with the spirit of fear, not faith. When I was young and dumb, I had this moment where I had met some demonic activity. I was 19 years old, something like that, and I'm driving in my car at night, and I'm going through a really, really hard time. Chaos in my family, church splits, demonic attacks, all sorts of stuff. I just got mad at the devil. Anyone ever been mad at the devil before? I'm driving in my car, and I'm young and dumb, and I'm in my car, and I just said, do you know what, devil? Forget you. But I didn't say forget you. I cursed at the devil. I said fragile. (laughs) 
You like that one, Mama? <laughs> I said the F-bomb to the devil. And the moment I did, it got freezing cold in my car. I heard an audible demonic voice out loud. It said, you see what I'm doing? There's nothing you can do about it. And all the hair on my neck and arms stood up. So this church boy did what I knew how to do. I just prayed in the Holy Ghost. I prayed in the Holy Ghost. I got home. I flipped every light on in my house. I laid down on the floor in the entryway, and I prayed in the Holy Ghost till I felt his peace come on me. And when his peace came on me, he gave me a vision. You know what a vision is? It's a spiritual daydream. Some of you don't think God speaks to you, but he speaks to you in visions, spiritual daydreams all the time. And I'm laying down. I have this spiritual daydream, and he shows me, and I'm surrounded by a forest fire. And I have a bow and arrow and they're on fire and I'm shooting fiery arrows into the forest fire. And I hear the Lord speak to me and say this, son, you can't use the enemy's fiery darts against him. Church, you cannot use fear against the spirit of fear. Fear based warfare doesn't work. Only faith works. God does not partner with your fear. He doesn't partner with it. He doesn't honor your efforts of fear. He doesn't bless fear-based decisions. He honors faith. He honors actions of faith, words of faith. He honors the people of faith. Watch, not the people of fear. You have an opportunity to either partner with fear or partner with faith. So let me ask this question. How do you overcome this pandemic of fear? It's easier said than done. I'm just preaching a 40-minute message about it. But you've lived it for, 30, for three, the last three years. Some of you 30 years. Some of you 10 years. You have lived in fear. Some of you, fear has become part of your identity. I've watched it. I've watched grandmothers live in fear. They're afraid of everything. They pass it along to their children. They pass it around to their grandchildren. I watch it just sweep through a family. That's why no one ever breaks out. It's why no one ever uh, sees victory in faith. It's why you see broken patterns after generation after generation, because you are not led by fear. Hold, hold on. Hold, that means you love God. You're good people. You believe in Jesus. You just serve fear. How do you break out of this spirit of fear? Proverbs 3, 7 tells us, do not be wise in your own eyes. Look at this, but fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. I had a pastor friend of mine. I went and preached for him in my traveling days. We went out to eat. Powerful move of God at his church. We go out to eat afterwards. And he dropped me off at the place I'm staying. And I get out of the car and he's walking me to the door. And he said, hey, a pastor friend of mine called me this week and said, hey, you know Landon Shot, right? He said, yeah, I do. He's a friend of mine. He said, you better tell him not to write that book. And he was talking about the book Gay Awareness that I released in 2015. And the moment he said to me, you better not write that book, I literally felt a demonic force of fear physically hit me in the chest. 
Now watch this. I'm a pastor talking to a pastor who is talking to a pastor. And the spirit of fear is going through all of us. If that happens with pastors, what happens in your family? I'll be honest with you. I'm afraid a lot. My church members are like, Pastor, you're so bold. I don't feel bold. You're fearless. Definitely don't feel fearless. I don't want to kill people in COVID. I don't know what I'm doing half the time. I was telling you, pastors, it wasn't a joke. I will not know what to do. Go to my office and I'll just wait. I said, Lord, what do I do? And I'll wait till he tells me. You know how we made a decision to open in COVID? We laid in my office on the floor. We asked the Lord out loud, all the elders, laid on our faces to the floor. We said, Lord, what do you want us to do? And within seconds, he started speaking to all of us, have church for me. So we just got up. That's what the Lord said. See, there's this lie that you got to be some be spiritual warrior and have two thirds of the Bible memorized. It's all highlighted. You have to go through Bible college. No sound doctrine, theology, take your hermeneutics class, have your eschatology all figured out, and then you could be a bold champion for truth. And Jesus chose fishermen, tax collectors, average guys, watch, that just followed him. See, there's this lie that you have to have this great faith and be so bold when scripture says you just need faith of a mustard seed. Can I get just the lady who plays piano, only the piano come and join me. So how do you overcome this spirit of fear? Church, it is so stinking easy. I just choose to fear God more. I feel fear on a regular basis. And every time I do, I just make a decision. Who do I fear more? Let me say it in a different way. What do I love more? What do I honor? Listen, if you're new to church, the fear of the Lord is not being afraid of God. The fear of the Lord is you have experienced him. So you don't want to do anything away from him because you know what it's like to be with him. The fear of the Lord is you know what it's like when you make God happy. The fear of the Lord is you actually know what it feels like to bless him. I've been on this journey, Pastor Isaiah, I've been saying for almost 20 years, my favorite thing in life is when God speaks to me. I love it. I love the voice of God. I love it. He told me to go to a city I'd never met. He told me to walk around in a random building and fast for 40 days and supernaturally the miracles I've seen of obeying God in faith have been wild. I love it when God speaks. You can't make it up. You can't make it happen. It's only God, but it's no longer my favorite thing. The last two years, I found a new favorite thing. And it's not when he speaks. My new favorite thing is his pleasure. Because he'll speak, watch, I'll obey, and then I will feel his pleasure. 
Do you know what his pleasure's like? Just imagine being a kid, and some of you might be, be grandparents, and that's fine, but just imagine when you felt the pleasure of your father or a father figure or a grandpa. No matter how old you are, what you think about that? Either on a ball field or you did something at school or you said something. Just turn that down just a little bit. And you felt their pleasure and how it made you feel. Now magnify that times God. Ah. Where the God that created the heavens and the earth is proud of you. Ah. We have this problem in the body of Christ where we compare our success by the natural things that happen instead of comparing our success to obedience. Isaiah, we're a two-year-old church and the Lord told one of our elders to run for mayor. Oh, they hated us for it. He was a realtor, one of our elders. He runs for mayor. He gets 11% of the vote. The lady that won, who was a career politician, got 20%. A no-name, never-ran-before guy got 11% of the vote. And a pastor called me. He's like, I just want to give you my condolences for your loss. I said, you never lose obeying God. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I feel like an evangelist again. I stopped you from clapping. Watch. He didn't win the election, but we won in obedience. There was a state representative that called us and said, hey, I'm leaving. I want the elder to take my spot in the state legislator. We prayed about it as elders and we felt no, he wasn't supposed to. But his campaign manager was. His campaign manager beat a career politician. It was a landslide. They couldn't figure out how it happened. He went to, he went to Austin, the city capital. He was involved in bringing five laws to pass. No sex changes on minors in Texas. No drag shows in Texas with minors. Pornography out of libraries and public schools. I'm telling you, wild. What? Ah, you got to hear this. We just saw laws being passed by an elder not winning. And some of you would say, well, maybe I'm not successful. Ah, you're always successful in faith. You're never successful in fear. I'm going to close with this story and we're done. Matthew 14. Jesus is with the disciples are in a boat. Jesus is walking on water and they think it's a ghost. Put that text of Matthew 14 up there if you wouldn't mind. They thought it was a ghost. Now, mind you, they walk and talk with Jesus every day for three years and Jesus came in a form they didn't recognize and they called it a ghost. Be careful when Jesus comes in a form that you don't recognize. And scripture says they were terrified. Watch this. They were terrified. They were afraid, fear. But Jesus said, don't be afraid. It's me. You know the story. Peter said, if it's you, then tell me to come out. Now, what's wild is if you've been to Israel, I've been there many times. If you've been to Israel, they call it the Sea of Galilee. It's not a sea. It's a lake. 
and the lake's not that big. But you have all the disciples on the boat. Watch that they're currently disciples, but they're about to become apostles. These would be the apostles that are going to go and bring the gospel all over the earth. See, the enemy is always after you, not when you have a title, but when you're on your way to it. You say, why do I feel such a demonic attack? I'm not doing something significant. I'm nobody important. I know because the enemy knows who you're going to be. So if he can get you in the wrong relationship, if he gets you bound in pornography, if he can get you embracing sin, if he can get you to embrace a fake gender ideology or theology, if he can get you compromised now, he's got you in your apostolic days. So it says the wind was against them. Remember that scripture I read that Satan's the prince of the air? It doesn't make sense. These are career fishermen. They know not to go out on the lake when a storm's coming. It's like how you put away your lawn chairs when you know a storm's coming. The fishermen knew not to go out on the water. This wasn't a natural storm. This was a demonic storm. And when the scripture says the winds and the waves beat against them, that word beat against them in the Greek means to harass them. And that's what that spirit of fear will do. He will harass you. And finally, Jesus said, come out of the boat. So Peter walks out on the water. Now it's wild because he was the only one that walked out. And for some reason, you think that you are safe in the world that you have around you. But I want to let you know the safest place you can be is with Jesus, even if it's on water. Watch, he's looking at Jesus. He's walking on water. Two people in the history of, of, of mankind have walked on water. Jesus, who was all God, and Peter, who was all man. Watch. Why not you see this? He's afraid, but he hears God. He's in faith, walking towards God on water. And then he takes his eyes off Jesus, and he sees the storm again. He starts sinking. Church, that's what fear-based warfare does to you. It causes you to take your eyes off Jesus. It causes you to step back from faith and to partner with fear. Uh, We can learn from Peter. He said, Lord, help me. Here's what scripture says. Immediately, he reached down and grabbed him. Do you know that there's nowhere you can go that you are outside of the grasp of the help of God? And some of you think that you're sinking. Some of you are drowning in the worries of life. You're drowning in your sin. You're drowning in the demonic attacks of this present darkness. But you are in the grasp of Jesus today through faith. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me all over this place? I pray again. Fear go. No spirit but the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to prophesy in tongues. This is my personal prayer language that I'm just going to use for a moment. Watch, 
If you got a prayer language, just go ahead and just use it personally to yourself. This morning, if you would say, Landon, I feel like I've been attacked by fear or I've partnered with fear. I've been attacked by fear or I've partnered with fear. And I want to be clear. It does not mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you don't love God. It doesn't mean you don't believe in Jesus. Even the disciples were attacked by the spirit of fear. And I want to let you know that I came today to expose this and believe God for a deliverance breakthrough over your life today. I'm going to say it again. You are not a bad person. You are a person of faith. You're probably a godly person, but you have been attacked by the spirit of fear. And here's what I want you to do. If you say, I've been attacked by it or I've partnered with it, I want you to stand to your feet and lift your hands right now all over this place. If that's you, if that's you, come on, even as you stand, fear's breaking off you right now. Even as you stand, fear's breaking off you right now. Even as you stand, come on, lift your hands high right now. Fear is breaking off you, breaking off you, breaking off you, breaking off you. Come on, lift your hands high, high as they go right now. I declare right now, even as you stretch your arms, even layers of that fear is coming off you right now. I declare over you right now, fear is not your master. Fear is not your master. Fear is not your master. Stay on that same melody. Fear is not your master. I declare right now that you are a servant of the Lord. Right now, as high as you can, lift your hands right now and just fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. I want you to picture his eyes. I want you to picture his eyes right now. And even with the storms of life coming around you, I pray right now what Jesus pray. I pray wind be still. I pray waves be still. Just the piano, just the piano, just the piano, just the piano. If you pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost right now. If you pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost right now. If you have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just ask the Lord for it right now. It's a great time. It's a great time. No one has to lay hands on you. You don't even need to come front. Just ask the Lord right now. I pray right now, fear go. I pray fear go. I pray fear go. I pray tormenting dreams go. Some of you are harassed in every decision. Some of you are harassed when to drive and where to drive and what roads to go onto. Some of you are afraid to fly. You're afraid to travel. You're afraid to start businesses. Some of you have just been led in fear. You're afraid to even be connected to this church and serve with all of your heart because of past church experiences. You are led by this and say today, we declare fear you have no authority. Uh, Alright, here's, here's what we need to do. Put your hands down. Take a big breath. Breathe in the presence of God. Look at me. Have you ever seen a dog or some animal or something come on your property and you have to you have to boldly tell it to go? Oh. 
Holy Spirit is beautiful. And God's going to do miracles in your life. I'm proud of you for standing. Okay. The enemy is a coward. The scripture says he prowls around like, like a roaring lion, but he's not. Okay, this is so cool. This is what you need to get right now. You don't realize the authority that you have in Jesus. We've been singing fear go. We've been saying it, but you don't realize the authority that you have in Jesus. Demons truly must go. Ah, Close your eyes all over this place. Close them tight. Demons tremble at his name. They tremble at his name. They have no authority. Jesus says, all authority I have, I have given to you. The authority he has, he's given to you. And just like a dog that you have to chase off your property, or birds that try to land on the side of the road that you shoo away. I want you to begin to shoo off fear. I want you to focus. What is it? What is it? What is the fear? What is the fear? Look at it right now. In your eyes right now. Look at it. Picture it. I want you to look right at it. This fear doesn't own you. This fear is not your master. This fear does not have authority. We're going to start doing this. And as soon as we start doing this worship to me, you can start aggressively praying. But I want you to over and over at least 10 times. And every time you do it, I want you to get louder and louder. I want you to start saying, in the name of Jesus, fear go. 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 Come on, breathe in the presence of God. We're going to do this. When I count to three, I want you to do it 10 times or more. And every time you do it, I want you to say it louder and louder. You say, Pastor, why are you doing this? Because your faith is expanding. Every single time you say it, your faith is expanding. Every time you say it, you're taking spiritual territory. Every time you say it, there's demonic spirits that are leaving your house, in your houses, in your family. So, Father, we declare right now, as we've been praying and singing all day, there's no spirit but the Holy Spirit. So we welcome the fear of the Lord. So we say, in the name of Jesus, fear you must go. Holy Spirit, come. One, two, three. Say it, church. I'm not your pastor, but just let me pastor you for the next five minutes. Go right back to where you were in a moment. Don't be soft. Watch. When you're at your kid's ball game, don't pretend, Mama. You scream like a mad woman. I've seen you. Get up, Johnny! I've seen you. Sir, you look ridiculous when the Eagles play. Hold on. This is spiritual. 
that you come to church. Do not whisper in the name of Jesus, fear go. One last time, close your eyes. To the degree fear has harassed you. To that degree, respond. Man, begin to play that thing that you were just doing. And when I count to three, I want you to begin to release as boldly as you possibly can. Fear go. In the name of Jesus, fear go. In the name of Jesus, fear go. Put Jesus on your lips and tell to fear go. If you have to point your finger in the air, if you have to shake your fist in the air, if you have to pound your hand on the back of the seat, whatever it is, close your eyes tight. But the degree that fear has harassed you, tell it to go. Father, I pray, let a new authority come on this church today. In the name of Jesus, one, two, three. Breathe in. We're almost done. I woke up out of a dead sleep last night being karate kicked. And I heard God speak to me. And he said one word for your house. He said dunamis. The Lord told me that this was a year dunamis. Your name means, dunamis means power. Dunamis is when God's power strengthens and fortifies. It's God's power. So this is what we're going to do. Close your eyes as tight as they can one last time. I want you to breathe in the presence of God right now. He's here, the Holy Spirit. Just breathe in his ruah. It's called the breath of God, the ruah of God. And we're going to close by doing this. We're going to shout with the dunamis power of God. And as we shout, 
I feel like this church is going to spiritually receive dunamis power. You named your church it, but today you receive it. Keep your eyes tight. I was at a church in North Carolina. I've only preached at three churches this year. I was at a church in North Carolina. There's a man that did this shout. He had chronic anxiety and tracked it on his phone for two years. He tracked the levels of his heart rate with his anxiety. The moment he shouted, he felt delivered. Immediately, his app brought his, his anxiety down it tracked it down to normal levels and it never went back. In the middle, keep your eyes closed, keep your eyes closed, keep your eyes closed. He literally received miracle power deliverance. Breathe in the presence of God right now. I want to be clear. This isn't a shout. This isn't a, this isn't a yell like you do at a sports league. This isn't a moment of passion. This is a spiritual moment. All throughout the Bible, there were shouts that God moved through. I believe this is the moment where you exchange fear for power. So I'm going to count to three. I don't want you to shout from your, your throat or your head. I want you to cry from your spirit. Even with your eyes closed, lay hands on your belly right now. Let it come out of your spirit and I saw fear coming out of this house and power coming into this house on the count of three Father I pray for your Holy Ghost deliverance moment Lord I pray you would do right now what we can't do I pray for miracles I pray for signs I pray for wonders I pray for power I pray for favor I pray right now what Pastor Zane said let it be ridiculous I pray right now that you would do what only you can do it's outside us it's you it's spirit it's Holy Spirit I pray let there be a receiving of power of dunamis power and a deliverance of fear on the count of three breathe in the presence of God. Breathe it in. Close your eyes tight. Lay hands on your belly. On the count of three, do not shout in the flesh. Shout in the spirit as loud as you can. Fear go. One, two, three.